I'm Stephanie Ballot with Ballot Packing House in Edna, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Act Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, about half of our wheat crop here in Texas is in bad shape. But our neighbors to the north have it even worse. We'll check on the Oklahoma and Kansas wheat crops coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When it comes to making money in the cattle business, it's very important that your animals earn high marks when it's time to grade the meat they produce. Coming up soon at West Texas A&M University in Canyon, there's going to be a special opportunity to learn about carcass grading. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Texas producers in the Northern South Plains are optimistic for the new cotton growing season. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the story on Texas Ag Today. With spring upon us, many begin thinking about establishing a new pasture or hay meadow. We will discuss how to determine if you need to reestablish pastures or hay meadows, as well as when to start planting. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We do stories every week here about the very poor condition of most of our Texas wheat crop, but our neighbors to the north seem to have it even worse this year up in Oklahoma and Kansas. Mike Schulte is with the Oklahoma Wheat Commission. You know, I don't know that the rest of the world is just taking into account how bad it is in the southern plains of the United States. I'm hoping at some point in time that the market is going to react to some of that. But if you just look at the Oklahoma crop progress numbers from this week, 53% of the crop very poor to poor, 34% fair, uh, 12% good with 1% excellent. And then if you look at the Kansas crop progress numbers, uh, they're even worse. So 60% of Kansas uh, in poor to very poor conditions. 26% fair, 13% good, 1% excellent. And of course, this is all the result of drought, which Schulte says is as bad as many farmers have ever seen. So certainly, unlike anything that I have ever seen in my tenure at the Oklahoma Wheat Commission, I was talking to a producer today in western Oklahoma who's 71 years of age, and he said even in his experience, he's never experienced anything like this from the standpoint of just extreme lack of moisture, the extreme high winds, and now the extreme hot temperatures that are coming earlier. Schulte says the fact that the market doesn't seem to be responding to this dire situation in the nation's largest wheat-growing states makes it even more discouraging. A proposed rule from the Securities and Exchange Commission would require public companies to report on Scope 3 emissions, which are the result of activities the companies don't own or control. 
Travis Cushman, American Farm Bureau Deputy General Counsel for Litigation and Public Policy, says this would have a profoundly negative impact on farmers and ranchers. I think it's inevitable that if a public company is required to report your emissions, they're eventually going to be asking you to track those emissions. What does that mean? It means more costs for small, mid-sized farms. It's an extra needle that cuts towards more consolidation, favors larger operations. And additionally, it's one of those things that makes it tougher for the average person to do business and would encourage public companies to integrate further. The American Farm Bureau Federation recently sent a letter to the SEC outlining its concerns. Is providing the SEC the legal background, the authority explaining why they should and they can exclude agriculture, carve us out of this. Because I don't think that their intention is to get agriculture in, but this rule is so large and broad. That's what happened. So we were just trying to let them know, here's some legal authority to carve us out. You guys can have this rule and not implicate us. Cushman says Congress has taken notice and slowed down the process a bit, but eventually the SEC will need to finalize the rule. And what will be in that rule is anyone's guess at this point. When it comes to making money in the cattle business, it's important to have high-grading cattle. James Hunt tells us there's an upcoming program that teaches more about carcass grading. In the United States, there are three USDA cattle and carcass training centers that were created through the 2018 Farm Bill. One of those cattle and carcass training centers happens to be located at West Texas A&M University in Canyon, where Ty Lawrence is the director of the university's meat lab. USDA and the industry decided that continued training and education in grading standards was good both for the government and the graders within the government system, as well as the cattle producers of America. And so we came together in that effort to train all on a regular basis. And one of the training opportunities the center at WT provides is coming up next month, May 17th and 18th. The two-day course will cover topics ranging from marketing strategies to animal growth and development. One special feature will be a live animal evaluation session in which Dr. Lawrence says attendees can learn how to guesstimate carcass grades. Now again, I say guesstimate because you don't actually know what the true quality or yield grade are going to be until the hide of that animal is removed, it's chilled and graded. But there are visual cues that we can use to estimate if an animal is finished well enough to grade choice or better. And those same visual cues help us know if that animal is likely to be a yield grade one or two on the leaner side or four or five on the more well-finished side. Once again, this course is May 17th and 18th at West Texas A&M. To learn more, go online and search with the words USDA Cattle and Carcass Training Centers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton producers in the Southern Plains are optimistic about the new cotton growing season. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Todd Straley. He is from uh, Plainview in Hale County. He is a cotton farmer and also gin manager at Quarterway Cotton Growers Incorporated. And Todd, uh, looking forward to the 2023 crop year. Uh, What are your prospects? I think we're going to have lots of cotton planted in our area again. Uh, We're sure looking forward to the rains that are going to be coming this summer. We're moving out of the La Nina phase and into the El Nino that our forecasters keep telling us are coming. Sure looking forward to having an above average uh, rainfall for the first time in quite some time. 
Well, certainly uh, cotton acreage is estimated to be, uh, that's going to be planted uh, across the cotton belt uh, this year. It's estimated to be down, but yet cotton farmers' optimism is up. I think so. I mean, it's as long as it rains. That's our, that is really our limiting factor that we see where we're at. Planted acres may be down just a little bit, but I'm sure hoping that our, our harvested acres are up. From a gin manager standpoint, 2022 was certainly a, a very difficult uh, year when it came to getting uh, that cotton gin. Kind of give us that scenario on how that compared to, obviously, uh, 10 years earlier. Yeah, so 2011 was uh, what we all considered the biggest drought that uh, we've ever seen. For the area up in uh, northern South Plains area, I think 2022 was much worse on us than what 2011 was. We had a le- little bit less rainfall in 22 than what we had in 21, but the main difference is our irrigation capacity today is about half of what it was in 2011. Just for instance, in uh, 2011, the gin that I'm at ginned about 43,000 bales that year, and in 22, we only produced 16,000. That is Todd Straley. He is manager of the Quarterway Cotton Growers Incorporated Gin in Plainview. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With springtime here, it may be time to reestablish pastures or hay meadows. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson has some advice. To determine if you need to reestablish your pastures or hay meadows, evaluate your forage needs. Consider how the forage will be used, whether it's for grazing or hay production. Determine what species and variety are best adapted to your area based on season of production, soil type, and rainfall. Evaluate your resources, including equipment, money, and time. Take a visual appraisal of existing fields. Keep in mind that bald spots may fill in with time, fertilization, and weed control or the bald spots may be filled in with additional sprigs or seed. Determine if you have seen a reduction in quantity of forage produced. If forage production has been reduced considerably, reestablishment may be desirable. Reestablishment should be considered when less than 40% of the desirable species exist. Determine if other forage species and or broadleaf weeds have invaded the field. They may be easily controlled with herbicide or you may need to start from scratch. If you decide to reestablish this season, collect soil samples for analysis and correct any soil deficiencies. Select species and variety adapted to your location. Visit with your county extension agent or forage specialist to determine options based on your location. Destroy any existing perennial grass vegetation with a herbicide application prior to planting. Optimum temperatures for Bermuda grass or Bahia grass seed germination are when daily low temperatures reach 60 degrees Fahrenheit consistently. Planting after mid-June is discouraged because of normally hot and dry weather conditions. Implement the correct planting method and rate. Continue to control weeds during establishment year. Check with your local county extension agent for herbicide recommendations. Keep in mind that newly established fields may not be very productive the year of establishment. Therefore, be prepared to have other forage options for livestock during that season. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. An upcoming webinar will address the growing feral hog problem in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And pain in a horse's neck is not uncommon. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Pain in a horse's neck is not uncommon, but Dr. Bob Judd says the cause can be hard to diagnose. Dr. Sally Denota from Florida indicates in the horse publication that determining whether the problem causing the symptoms is neurological or musculoskeletal can be difficult. In general, musculoskeletal gait abnormalities cause an irregular stride as every step is the same. On the other hand, neurological problems that lead to gait abnormalities are generally irregularly irregular, meaning the gait is abnormal, but not the same every step as with neurological disease. Every step may be a little different. Horses with neck pain generally will not be able to turn their noses to get a treat at their hip as they have decreased range of motion. X-rays of the spine can be helpful in checking the bones and joints for arthritis, as can collection of spinal fluid. However, the newest and most accurate method is to get a CT scan of the neck, as all vertebrae can be visualized from many different angles, although the horse does have to be under general anesthesia for the procedure to be performed. One of the most common causes of neurological gait abnormalities is equine protozoal myeloencephalopathy, or EPM. However, EPM is also maybe the most overdiagnosed and overtreated disease in horses because of the difficulty in diagnosing it. Many veterinarians diagnose the disease on a positive blood test only, along with some clinical signs. However, probably 70% of the horses in Texas are positive on the blood test, and testing spinal fluid is a much more accurate test, especially when comparing it to the blood test results. One of the medications approved to treat EPM is Marquis, and Dr. Denota indicates that adding one-fourth cup vegetable oil with Marquis, increasing its bioavailability and absorption. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. An upcoming webinar will address the growing wild hog problem here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. There are millions of wild pigs or feral hogs in Texas, rooting up cities, farms, ranches, cemeteries, golf courses, and lawns. To help Texans who are struggling to control wild pigs, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host a wild pig webinar from noon to 1 p.m. Thursday, May 4th. The featured speaker will be James Long, project coordinator for the Texas A&M Natural Resources Institute in Bryan College Station. He will discuss a number of topics focused on how landowners can deter wild pigs and methods to reduce their numbers. Long will introduce landowners to the spread of these invaders across both Texas and the U.S. He will explain some of the biology and environmental factors that have led to their rapid population growth. He'll discuss damage that wild pigs cause across the landscape to include agricultural, natural resources, and private property. He'll address the disease risks that wild pigs pose to both livestock and humans. He will assess the laws that apply to wild pigs in Texas and discuss methods to deter wild pigs and reduction methods that can be used to bring their population numbers down. 
The webinar is $35. Advanced registration is required. Once you've registered for the webinar, instructions on how to access the webinar will be emailed to you. Again, that webinar is from noon to 1 p.m. on Thursday, May 4th. You can register at texasrangewebinars.tamu.edu. That is texasrangewebinars.tamu.edu. You can also find a link to that on today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle closed mixed on Monday to kick off the trading week while feeder cattle and grains dropped lower. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle futures closed mixed to kick off the trading week on Monday while feeder cattle dropped lower. Some of that pressure may have come from Friday's USDA cattle on feed report. It showed both on feed numbers and placements coming in higher than expected, but they were still lower than a year ago. We close with April live cattle up 32 cents, 174.30, the June up 2, 164.55. With August down 10 cents, 163.45. Feeder cattle lower with April feeders down a dollar 22, 202.55. The May down a dollar 65 at 210.75. With August feeders down 55 cents, 229.32. Cash fed cattle market all quiet as we usually see on a Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in Texas at 175. That is fully steady with the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up 25 cents, 306.85. Select up $1.26, 289.06. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction, San Saba, my guest. Ken, how did the Thursday sale go? You bet, Larry. We ended up having run a little over a 1,900, like 1,905 head of cattle today. We ended up with a whole week of 5,496 head of cattle. Uh, I thought of all the market continue to be very active with good demand. I mean, we just continue to see uh, folks uh, uh, after these uh, light cattle, big cattle, and everything in between, I thought. I thought the lighter cattle, stocker steers, they sold steady today. Um, and uh, overall, they, uh, the steers and heifers, they both were firm and steady. I had a group of three heifers at 555 at 220 to 1210 dollars for a 555 pound heifer which is very very good i thought and then the bigger cattle the feeder steers i thought were four or five dollars higher half group of 10 steers weighed 832 today about 191 right at 1589 dollars we're just about 11 dollars short of 1600 dollars on those cattle the feeder heifers were five to eight higher today we had a group of 14 heifers weighed 808 at a buck 88 on those heifers they doubled out 1519 dollars tiger bulls and cows i thought overall were uh, probably two to three lower and pairs of bred cows they were in good demand uh with uh, a lot of activity all classic cattle so very very strong market larry please 
please, please see it today. Again, as we move on into um, uh, April right here in the land of April now. Well, what do you envision coming uh, Monday to Mason? I think we're going to have a pretty good run. We're seeing some bigger cattle. I think uh, we've been all out, we feel everything, and uh, we've got several groups of kids we know coming. So probably like having, depending on what rainfall, we didn't have a shower here during the shelter about an inch. It wasn't real widespread, but it did cover some country, a little hell with it, but didn't have to do any damage or anything. So maybe we got a chance, I think, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So we're looking forward to that. I do have a special group of about 80 some cows, Angus cows coming in, complete dispersal next Thursday. And they all got Angus calves on the ground, uh, good calves, good cows. And then they've got, I think, 20 something uh, heifers that'll calve this all their AI too. So those will all be this coming up Thursday. I think we're going to sell those around 12 noon. I got no another group of 40 pair that's showing up too, Larry. All right. Jordan Cattle is the website. What's the number, Ken? Yeah, Jericho 325-372-5159. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble for Ken Jordan at Jordan Cattle Auction. You've been listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher. May hogs up 67 cents, 77.70. June hogs up $1.27, 87.35. Class 3 milk was mixed on Monday. April milk unchanged, 18.63, 100 weight, while May milk dropped 43 cents at 16.89, 100. The cotton market had some triple-digit gains in the session on Monday. However, we pulled that back near the close. We finished higher with July cotton up 54 points, 80.69. The October contract up 51, 81.66. December up 90 at 81.28 cents. Lower close in the corn market. Pressure coming from expectations for a record corn crop that's growing right now in Brazil. May corn dropped 12 cents to close at 651 and a quarter. July corn down seven and three quarters, 607 and a half, while September corn was down two at 550 and three quarters. Wheat market finishing lower on both hard and soft wheat. Long awaited rain in the forecast for the southwestern plains, keeping a lid on prices with July Kansas City wheat dropping eight cents, 817 and a half. July Chicago wheat down 16 cents at 6.57 a bushel. In the energy markets, May natural gas up a penny, 2.25. June West Texas crude up 87 cents, 78.74 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow up 49 points, 33,858. The Nasdaq down 47 at 12,024, while the S&P was up one, 4,134. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.